They gonna hate you. They probably hating on. They, I know they hate on Martin Luther King. Ready to roll? Now I feel like I want to sit like this. So I probably be I more sit like, like this. this. Yeah. Is that good? I start out straight and then I'm good. Cool. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the Candace Owen Show. Let's talk about the war on police officers. This has been a, a topic of conversation that has seized America over the last couple of years. We've seen people weighing in on all sides, fundamentally believing that black Americans are being targeted by our police force. When I saw this conversation happening, one element was missing, and, and it was black police officers. How has this topic and conversation impacted black police officers? And so today, we are going to talk to former police officer Brandon Tatum. Welcome to the Candace Owen Show. How happy are what's, you to be here? What's up, Candace? Right. Thanks for having me on. Right. How you, are you really excited to be here? I am. You're I am. in I'm my studio, my studio. space, my show. Yes, yes. The vibes, the energy is good. Right. <laughs> yeah. As long as it belongs to you, I'm cool. I'm cool with it. We have done a ton of work together yeah. in this space in trying to open up a conversation that makes black Americans uncomfortable, different sure. perspectives uh, for black Americans. And you have one of the most amazing stories, and it's something that has definitely inspired me, um, something that I refer to as the Tatum effect. <laughs> so I want you to walk me through. You're a police officer at the in, in 2016, 2015. You're a police officer in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And Trump gets on the stage and says, I'm running for president of the United States. What were your initial thoughts? Well, at that time, that was when I first started I guess, uh, changing my mind from being a liberal Democrat to being more leaning more towards a conservative. So I was a little bit more in favor of the Republican Party at that time. Okay. So if I take a few steps back, um, being a police officer and being along the liberal a mindset, you know, because initially when Obama was elected in 2012, I voted for him and everybody in my squad was mad at me. Right. I mean, they literally gave me a death stare. And then <laughs> again, I was the only black person in my squad. I was one of, you know, maybe eight other black officers on the department. So with that being said, I kind of felt like I had to um, have an identity of my own. But then over time, watching Obama trash the police department, I began to transition my ideas to saying I can't support anybody. I don't care what political party it's in. I can't support you if you are disparaging police officers and causing our jobs to be uh, more dangerous than it should be. But what, what do you mean by that? Because I went to Chicago, actually, when this whole conversation was happening, and I met with the police precinct that actually is in the most dangerous part of Chicago, which I believe is District 11. And uh, everyone, all the police officers were black. And I was wondering, how does this conversation impact black police officers when you just say that police officers are targeting black Americans? So what was that like for you? You said it made it more dangerous. What do you mean by that? Well, because when you wear the badge and the uniform, it doesn't matter what color you are. They project that you are... Um, alike or similar or you're in the same realm as every police officer in the country. So African-American people, Latino people, minorities used to target me and say, I'm a sellout and I'm a part of this genocide against minorities. So, genocide, that is a strong yeah, word. Yeah, it is. It is. They, which is ridiculous because if you look at the stats, obviously we're not out just murdering people for no reason and, and doing things that a lot of people on the left, I think, try to project for political gain, in my opinion. But for me, it was interesting to see that even though I was black, people would still come against me as if I'm a traitor or I'm working for the other side, per se. Okay. So you would, you would stop someone and, and they would feel 
Yeah, they, they would literally tell me. I had a, a kid, which was the stupidest thing ever. He was in a like an old school Monte Carlo, tinted out windows. <laughs> and his registration or something was expired. I ran his plate. I didn't know who he was. Right. The tent was way, illegal anyway. I couldn't even see in the car. I pulled a guy over and he rolls the window down. He looks Hispanic and he said, you pulled me over because I'm black. <laughs> I said, I said, bro, quit being stupid. You know, I told him that right, as right, a police officer. I right. said, man, quit being stupid. I'm black. What are you talking about? And then you look Mexican. So how, how are you trying to promote that? Like somehow I'm supposed to know that you're black with tinted windows that's illegal. And I end up, to, to be honest, I end up writing a warning, a warning for it. And because I want to prove the point, like even though you are being belligerent and outrageous, I'm going to correct you, but then I'll give you a warning. You know what I'm saying? So you, could, so you know that I'm a normal person and a human too. And hopefully that person learns the next time they get pulled over. But that was residual. That continued to happen. Um, the same type of uh, mannerisms from the black community. Okay, so when I'm watching this on TV and the media is running this uh, narrative that police officers are targeting black Americans, it makes me feel at that time that that means that you guys get the call and on the other end, you are told that the person is black and (laughs) that your whole attitude changes and you go out saying, I'm going to hunt to kill this person that I'm looking for. Yeah. Is that what it's like being a police officer? Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. If anything, it's probably the most difficult thing in your life if you are a racist and you're a police officer. Why is that? Because you you can't dictate where you go, what call you respond to. You just respond. And what people are missing in this conversation is that um, it really doesn't matter what color you are because people of all colors, races, backgrounds, they all commit crimes. They all can what? murder you. Did you wait, Bob? Yeah. Wait, no, no. I, I was convinced, convinced that it was black yeah. people only that commit crimes. Yeah. Le- leave it to the left. They will tell you that black people are the only ones. <laughs> Not everybody, but you get what I'm saying. Right. People on the left tend to believe that, and, and it's racist in the in, in their projection. Is like it is. Almost there is something black racist. people or some because this is the thing. If you go into a black community, you have these white officers that go into black communities and they deal with black people to, to suggest that they're going and hunting down and racist against black people and afraid of them would suggest that all black people are criminals. Right. No, they're going into these communities and they're having interactions with normal black people. Right. Mom and, you know, mom and dad who's been robbed or somebody who's have a lost child or somebody who's been sexually assaulted. Not everybody in the black community is a thug running around with a gun ready to kill somebody. So to suggest that somehow they're afraid of black people, to me, is saying that all black people are somehow um, overly violent. Right. You're right. And, And I'll say this. It's, it's, it bothers me when I see black communities with white, with primarily white police officers and you hear the rhetoric of people saying, oh, these police officers are racist. And it's, it's troubling because if a person was to look at it for what it was, it appears that the white people, the white police officers are the only ones brave enough and care enough about the community. Right. Because why won't you go and sign up for the police department like I did and patrol your own community? But the white men and women, in some of these communities where it's primarily white, they are the ones risking their lives because African-American people in these communities are, are, are tremendously more likely to kill a police officer than for a police officer to kill a black person. That's correct. There's a PragerU video that, right. you know, this is why I love PragerU videos yeah. <laughs> because it just strips down the entire argument and provides you with the facts and provides you with the logic and the numbers. And True. the truth is, is that a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed um, by a black man than the other way around. And we also know that they're the uh, Hispanic men 
and white men are more likely to be killed by a police officer than black men. So how is it possible, do you think, that the, the media perpetuated a complete lie and it was believed by because, so many black Americans? Because the black community is one of the only communities that get so riled up. We're emotional. We get emotional. We're the most emotional community we, in the entire world. Look, we're, we're being emotional yeah, right now, exactly. Bob. I'm getting passionate thinking right. about it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so we're going to, you're going to get a reaction out of black folks. Right. If you post hands up, don't shoot. Oh, it's on. Right. Beyonce we, does a video. Right. And what was it that she did with her video? I think they were dressed in all black or right. something crazy. Right. Like, well, we're coming out in the streets. We finna bash our own businesses. Right. <laughs> you know, the best solution is to bash your own business. I'm you gonna, heard it here first. I'm going to show the white man. Right. Let's destroy all our businesses and show the white man we're mad right, at Right, right. We're like, going to burn down our own homes to give it to the white man. I and mean, I, it's I, don't, just... I don't understand why we do those things, but but, but for media purposes, right. to get ratings, you bet you, if you got a black issue, it's going to be out. Al Sharpton going to come out the closet right. and they're going to all be on the television <laughs> crying Stand and screaming. Yeah. yeah. Standing for the black calls right. and you know like they're in the 60s again you know fighting for civil rights and it's like well those, bro, we call this right. is why you and I call them race hustlers right because they make hustling. money they're hustling they know that they're they're helping to deter further deteriorate yeah. our communities by inspiring people to react emotionally simultaneously ruining their own lives yeah. because if they end up arrested at one of these riots then you have a charge and, you, and something that's on your record forever and if you um you know, burn down your own home. You don't have a place to live. And, and, and they're actually inspiring chaos in our right. communities as if they haven't inspired enough chaos in our communities right. with their policies. Right. And they're just, well, listen, if the community has violence, like in Ferguson, when they would destroy businesses, businesses vow to not return. Right. That is, they're losing jobs. Mm -hmm. They're losing economic growth. Right. And black people already have a problem with reinvesting in our own communities anyway. That's correct. So these people are literally creating a, uh, an environment where black people are more, um, I could say, in, in a position to be hurt more. Right. In a position to be hurt more financially and physically. Because the rhetoric against police officers creates this emotional feeling in a person, right? It's justified to the person that, that's dealing with this, right? If you are thinking and you're seeing on TV that these police officers are killing you, you are, you know, every day in school, and you know, when we were in school, they tell you about uh, slavery and, and Jim Crow. They don't tell you nothing about nothing black people being successful and nope. businesses and doctors and inventions. Nope. They talk about only the racism. It is an entire mentality being created from the time that we step into the public school system that teaches us that we are victims. Right. We are victims. That's it. Victim. We've always been victims. We're always going to be victims. And they hand us a packet of excuses before we even try. Right. And then God forbid someone like you or I steps up to the plate and says, no, we can do it without government handouts. No, I believe in myself. You know, I'm, I'm a conservative. I, I hold the belief that fathers should be in the home. I, I have a belief in God. They turn around and tell us that we're, we're betraying our race because we believe in us. Right. It's crazy to me because everybody knows what we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. This is not a myth. Mm -mm. People in the at the house talk about this with grandma and them. Y'all always talk about this. I remember my grandma used to tell my uncles, look, it's either hell or jail. If you continue down that path, so we know better, right? But but it's 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 the concept of like, you can talk about your family, but nobody else better talk about we your family. We have to stop this because I right. I had a conversation with Charlemagne the God. I know. And he said to me, you know, I'm not saying that I disagree with you. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that you shouldn't be having these conversations in front of white people. Yeah. 
what ignorance is that? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, we know that we're really doing messed yeah. up stuff, but we just, like, can't publicly say it. Yeah. I mean, and that's the sort of leadership right. that we have in our community, right? And they stay silent, and they'll believe us. They'll, oh, yeah, I support Candace and Brandon and what yeah. they're saying behind right. closed doors. But, you know, to have the conversation, you want me to be inauthentic? You, and, and that's the problem is that we've been deluding ourselves. We've been deluding our community, and we have not had real leaders that have emerged. But I want to talk to you about... Your conversion, because you were a Bernie bro, is that correct? No, nah, I was, I was, I was uh, Obama. Yeah, but well, passive aggressive Obama, and then I went from Obama, Obama. I went from Obama to um, Ben Carson. Okay, I okay. wasn't. I never was a Bernie guy. Hillary was never on my radar. Right. She was the hot sauce in the purse. <laughs> she threw me off a long time ago. Right. <laughs> now she did barbecue sauce. I maybe I could have rocked right. hot sauce. I ain't. She she probably didn't even have Louisiana right. hot sauce. But anyway. <laughs> We'll have to go back and figure out uh, what kind of hot sauce she had. <laughs> Red Devils. Yeah, Red Devils. That does matter. That does matter. So then you you started off as a, a Ben Carson guy. And then what were your initial feelings about Trump? Because you get a lot of slack for supporting Trump now. And I, I just want to understand the transition a little bit. Yeah, I thought he was playing. I thought it was a joke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Trump, Trump is the man. He's this billionaire guy. He's a boss. Right. I felt like he was going on stage to say, look, I'm, f I'm going to trash all of y'all. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to show the world that y'all are a joke. Right. I can even run just to play and get some traction and then right. build my brand and name and then go back to being Trump. Okay. And then Ben Carson dropped out. And because he was a little, he could, he didn't have the juice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he was a little too lethargic, but he dropped out and yeah. then he endorsed Trump. And I'm like, hold on. Ben Carson is brilliant. Yeah. Ben Carson He's is a one literal of, brain surgeon. Yeah, literally. Literally. <laughs> a literal brain surgeon. And, and, and Ben Carson has done things that nobody in the world has done. Right. Let alone a black American. Like Ben Carson is the man. Yeah, our community calls him stupid. Right. And we 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 wanna take we wanna take his name off of buildings. Right. He's probably one of the most impactful black people coming from the hood. Dr. Condoleezza Rice, same way. They come all the way up through the ranks, but that's another story. But when he endorsed Trump, I was like, he ain't a fool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's a literal brain yeah, surgeon. Yeah. He's, he's, something is here, right? You know, Ben Carson ain't a joke. You know, you know anybody push him over. And his wife, his wife is very uh, um, structured and phenomenal as well. So I'm right. like, she ain't going to let her husband just do something that crazy. Right. So I said, let me, listen, as a, as a grown man with responsibilities, you know, I got a son <laughs> and everything. I say, let me do my due diligence and go in to check out what Trump is saying. Right. Mr. Donald Trump is having a rally in Tucson. Even at the worst case scenario, what are the odds of me seeing Donald Trump in Tucson? Right. So I decided I worked a full night shift. I stayed up. You know, I worked from 9 o'clock at night to 7 in the morning. And I stayed up to like 11 or something at the rally. And I tried to, I went to go check it out and it blew my mind. It blew my mind. What blew your mind specifically? So you get there. The first thing was the protesters. And I'm going to tell you, this is the honest to God truth. Look, I grew up in the hood around violence and I was a police officer around violence but the feeling that I had took me back to like what I felt like Martin Luther King and went through and this is why on a, on a on a slightly smaller scale when when I went through the little it's a walkway that you go up and you go into the convention center very very small it's not like Phoenix any big city it's a very small convention center there's people who had protest signs they didn't say anything they were peaceful but when you got to the door People were literally trying to break past the police officers to get to us. Ruby Bridges. Screaming yeah. at us. 
you are racist. You you you're supporting it. And I'm like, I don't even know what the man. I just I'm checking this out. I, how am I getting involved in this? And they're just, I'm a man. I can fight, right? If they came across the thing, people would be dropping like flies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd be knocking everybody. Out. But if I was like, if, if I was like a grandmother, or if I was a little kid, that would be extremely intimidating. Right. Because you don't know what can happen. And the police were literally locked on. But these are my boys. I work for the Well, for I want to pause this for a second yeah. because the visuals that I'm getting here are really important because I talk about this all the time. There is something so reminiscent and it's it's striking to me because people understand history. When we look back at history and we're shocked. Like we can't associate ourselves to the civil rights era. We're like, mm-hmm. how could people not realize that chasing black people out of restaurants, that they were, that they were on the side of hate? How could they not realize that yelling at Ruby Bridges on her, on her walk to school mm-hmm. and yelling at her and trying to break past the, the armed, armed guards they had, they had a um, military to get, to get Ruby Bridges into school, screaming at her and taunting her. How could they not realize that they were hateful? Right. Sure. And yet, they just don't realize today yeah. that they're the exact same, same people same going after conservatives. I've been chased out of restaurants. As you are describing, just trying to walk in to hear Trump speak, yeah. Yeah. right? They don't he hasn't said anything yet. What are they what are they protesting? I'm going to hear what he has to say, right? And you're describing something that is so visually reminiscent of Ruby Bridges just trying to get into school, yeah. right? Yeah. What she hasn't done anything. Yeah. She's just trying to get inside. She's yeah. trying to learn something. You were literally trying to learn something. What is it this man is selling, right? Yeah. I'm an American. I have a right to figure out what's going on. And Bernie had a rally the the day before. I didn't want to hear what he had to say, so I don't go to his rally. Right. I'm not going to protest anybody. I'm not going to scream at anybody. I just want to see. I'm trying to figure my way out in this right. world. We live in a free country. So they're yelling at you. They're yelling at me. They're they're looking at me. And what are they they're, saying? They're, they're saying you're you're racist. You're evil. You, you know you support and are they black? bigotry. White people. All white. Of course, people. of white people chase right. me out of a restaurant. It's so reminiscent same of the thing. civil rights era. Same soup warmed over. They right. doing the same thing. I like this it's, expression. And Same so, soup warmed over. I got to give credit to my boy Rob's if he watching. Rob, okay. <laughs> Rob told me he used this all the time. Black people always have to do shout outs no matter like, what we're <laughs> It's just always got to be Because Rob used to tell me same soup warmed over all the time. But it's the, it's the same thing. And so I felt, I'm not going to lie, I like, I felt what I would perceive that Martin Luther King used to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, I'm just standing up for my rights. Right. I'm just trying to live and figure out where I'm going politically. I'm just, I didn't have a Trump shirt on nothing. I had a black shirt on slacks. I was very impartial and they're screaming and they're yelling. And it's like, if the police weren't there, what were they going to do? Would they attack me? Like, would I have to fight all these people? That's not right. No. And so we get inside and it's like going to church. Oh, it's peaceful. <laughs> like, it's like, okay. So let me get this straight. So you walk through a mob of protesters. You're being protected by the police. Being drums, yeah, smoke. Drums, screaming, they got smoke yelling, and stuff going. Screaming at you. Then you Crazy. get inside and it's calm. So calm. we're, But at the same time, just so we can get back to this, the media is selling to us in this moment, because I, I was unsure about Trump too, mm-hmm. is selling us at, at this moment that Trump is inspiring hate. Right, true. But true. the hate is outside. True. The hate is outside. Right. So you get inside. Tell what did you see? I go in there. It's a big arena. Whole bunch of people in there. You know, obviously the demographic of of, of Tucson is majority white, and right. Hispanic. So it's not a lot of black people anyway. But I go in there and I don't know where to sit. Right. I'm trying to figure out. Okay, where I'm gonna sit? Watch the show. 
I go to a few places and I'm just meeting random people. Everybody's so nice and kind. And, and in my mind, I'm like, I'm waiting for that one racist to be acting out against me or something and look at me crazy like, what is this black man doing in here? <laughs> because in the media, they, they literally perpetuated that. They throw people out of these things because they're black. That's correct. That was exactly the narrative. So I get in there. I'm meeting all these people. These are KKK right. rallies, right? That right. was how it felt, right? Like I was going to feel, like it, was, it was especially in a place where it's all white people. Mm-hmm. So it didn't happen that way. Everybody's cool. I'm talking to people. Everybody's joking, having a good time. There's young people, older people, people in wheelchairs. You know, uh, um, there's some black people, Hispanic, gay, straight, whatever. It's, it's like a whole bunch of different people in here. I get to the bottom with some of my SWAT guys. At the time, I was still on the SWAT team. So I was down there with some guys from SWAT. We were just talking at the bottom floor. These fools, these 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 protesters, would sneak in wearing Trump stuff. And it, methodically, like every 10, 15 minutes, one of them would just take out the shirt and, F Donald Trump! F Donald And they were just screaming in front of kids. And I'm just like... This is outrageous. So again, the tolerant people right. are have come inside, snuck inside, taking off their shirts, and they are shouting right. obscenities in the midst right. of a Trump rally, which right. is supposed to be a rally of hate, but they're actually bringing in the hate. They are the only ones in their hating. Okay. And the sad thing is that a lot of the, the percentage of the people doing it were black people. Wow. Right? It was a black girl at the top. She was screaming, yeah, yelling, and whatever. And it's like this is kind of why you get kicked out, right? And this is this is, this is this is this is a thing that that nobody's talking about, right? It's a private event, right? By law, it's a private event. Before Trump even got on stage, they made an announcement and said, "This is reserved by the Trump campaign. A private event. We reserve the right to make ask anybody to leave at any time." Just like if Beyonce was doing a concert, you start acting up, you are gone. Right. You are you are disorderly conduct, or if you refuse to leave, it's trespassing. Right. You can get arrested if you jump on the stage and Beyonce is performing. You can get arrested. You should be arrested. Right. This is a private event. It's not a public space. Right. They gave a disclaimer. They also gave a disclaimer that please do not be violent. Please do not um, yell at protesters. Or anything. If there's someone protesting and they're being obnoxious, pretty much, then just yell USA, USA, USA. Wow, so they're doing everything they can to stop everything us. they can. The news is standing right there. They got the little setup. They act like this never happened. Right. They even promoting peace in the rally and and giving. So what role does the media play? Because when you say they're all black people that are causing disruption, it actually makes me sad. It makes me sad because this is what I say is that the media encourages black people to act like animals, and we and we do it every time. Like they 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 view us like props is the way that I feel. Like they they think that we're their emotional props, and they want us to be their shields. So they say I'm not going to get arrested. I'm you know I'm I'm a white collar Democrat, right? I'm not going to get arrested. But can I inspire that black girl? To think that there's something so crazy going on that she has to go get arrested at a Trump rally, right? Can I inspire that black girl to show that she has to go uh, assault a police officer at a Trump rally? Mm -hmm. And this is how I feel white Democrats use black people because they put us on the front lines. When you look at Black Lives Matter, injected the money came from white people, right? (laughs) But the people that were put out on the front lines getting arrested were all black. Yeah, because like I said, they they can use that as leverage points. Racism is a hard topic in this country. Mm -hmm. So they use black folks. Mm -hmm. Go do this. Go do this. Oh, and then when they arrest you, it is, you know, black people going to act a fool. Right. And then they can say it's racism. And then they can paint Trump as a racist. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it gets worse, right? They're yelling in front of kids. The one lady had to cover her kids' ears. Black folks in the circle. They're locking arms, screaming, F Donald Trump. I mean, using, using curse words. But it gets worse. Trump does his thing, whatever. He was peaceful. 
he was unifying. Everybody was inspired. Just like these rallies now. You got right. 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people coming to these rallies because they are actually pretty good. Trump is actually ex explaining what America should be and how to better our country for all people. The worst part of this was that the protesters blocked the entrance, which is obviously a fire code violation right. in, a, in, a, in a public hazard. That's actually scary. Yeah, I have a little bit of um, anxiety yeah. listening to that. They blocked the I don't entrance. Really like elevators. It, we couldn't get out. And so, and, I'm, and I, I want to explain this That's a little. That's really scary. It is. That's very scary. Because what do you, I mean, I'll fight my way out, but other people can't. Right. And I don't know if these people got weapons. But this is another thing that people don't understand. The media sat on their hands and didn't say nothing because they had to sneak out the back. So everybody had to sneak out a back exit. But it, got, it had the protesters had gotten so bad. On the police department, we have something called alpha beta deployment. So everybody on the department is either alpha or beta, right? They give you a, a letter. So if it's if it's a, a shooting or something that's traumatic, they'll say it's an alpha deployment. That means every person that's labeled an alpha has to respond to this call. And then the betas will just continue to do work. If we have a alpha beta deployment, that means everybody on duty has to respond to this one location. Gabby Gifford shooting, different things like that. You Everybody has to go. This was so dramatic and dangerous that we had a alpha deployment. So that means half of the police officers on duty in the city of Tucson had to respond to the TCC, wow. the Tucson Convention Center, because it had gotten so out of control that they didn't know what was going to happen. Wow, wow. Media never said anything. They were lo they locked in. I mean, to me, like to me, that's just that terrifies me. Like I have a little bit of claustrophobia, and the idea that I mean, I would have thought, are they going to light the place on fire? Yeah. That would have been the first thing that came to my mind. I would have been totally paranoid. Like, are they going to set the place on fire? And and people don't report on it. People, ne I no. never heard this. It's the first time I've ever heard this story. They said nothing. They said nothing. Everybody's sneaking out the back. Right. And they said nothing. And the media's sneaking out the back, scared. And they didn't say nothing. Right. And that's when I realized, I said, something is not right here. Not only did I go and figure out that Trump isn't as bad as he was, I'm figuring out that the protesters are bad. And I'm figuring out the media is lying. Because what I left out was that a black man, what was he was a Trump supporter. He was a military. He was in the military. He's active military. White guy comes up with a Ku Klux Klan hoodie on. These liberals. Klan hoodie on. The other guy had F the military sign. It was two guys. That is a crescendo of violence coming right. towards a black man in the military. Right, yeah. So they come up the stairs. <laughs> a crescendo. This is, I mean, I, I, I saw I saw the, the, the flashpoint pretty much. Right. I, I was like, this is about to get ugly because Klan hoodie and the F the military thing. Right. They get to the brother, and I don't know what they said to him. But he started dropping bombs. You know, he went boom, boom, boom. So he hit the guy, he stomped him and everything. It was bad. The guy didn't really get hurt. So he come out, be a social justice warrior. He crying or whatever. And, and he didn't have any, any, really any marks on his face. But he, I'm going to press charges. And all the media focused on was that incident. They, I think that kid ended up getting kicked out of the military. Wow. But they only focused on that incident. Right. Which was a result of a person being racist. Yeah, wearing a Klan's hoodie. Him, right. Provoked him to do something. Right. But they didn't talk about what they were doing. Right. And, and that's what it is. They're, they're trying to provoke you. And, and one of the hardest challenges really is to stay calm. Like when right. they came right. for me and Charlie in that Philadelphia restaurant and people said to me, were you scared? You know, there were 40 protesters. They were throwing eggs at Charlie. They threw water. And oh, I said, yeah. I was scared that I was going to get arrested. 
That's what I was scared of. Mm. Because when you have a bullhorn this close to somebody's yeah. ear and you're screaming race trader and you're screaming coon and you're screaming Uncle Tom, you are asking me oh, yeah. to disengage from where I came from, right. where you can't get away from with this stuff in the black community. Oh, no. You can't do this. It's not the way we came no. up, okay? Not happening. And I have to say, I'm now a public figure, okay? But- just so you know, if we were anywhere else and there weren't these cameras, this would be a different situation. So the challenge is that they're provoking conservatives, hoping that we react. And and at the end of the day, we all have animal instinct. It's a fight or flight response yeah, always. Yeah. And that was the hardest challenge with saying, Candace, this is being recorded. And, and, and you know, Charlie is smirking, doing the, the Covington smirk, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> just trying to stay calm. Because that's all you can do is like you're either going to smile and stay calm or you're gonna pull a Brandon Tatum and just go Hulk oh style. Oh my God, I, I, I'm telling you, Candace, <laughs> please don't take me with you to these places. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny that I would start WWE and people right, on it. Right, it's hard, it's hard. And and again, because a black community is emotional, our reaction is-, but, is Look, I grew up, you, you, listen, you don't disrespect people. No, no, it, You will get served. Right, go to jail. I go to jail. Like I want a Nobel Peace jail. Prize. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Obama got one for no reason. I got chased out of a restaurant by forty white Antifa members calling me a racist coon, and I didn't get a Nobel Peace Prize. I didn't do any. I didn't harm anybody. I stayed calm the whole time. They had that bullhorn in your ear. ear. Yeah. They pour water on. Do you know, Charlie. And do you know what that feels like to have like the volume that loud in your ear with a bullhorn? Someone put it. Do you know what that? You can feel it on your eardrum. They blow your eardrum out. They blow your eardrum. And this is the thing. You, you this is another thing that people should understand is you have to know your rights, right? And you have to know the law. I'm not familiar with Philadelphia law, but in the state of Arizona. That, that's a self defense. No, right? no, they they asked us if we wanted to press charges because you can't because in in it's like you provoking someone to violence is assault in the state of Arizona. If you get in somebody's face and you right. and you call them the n word, so you're or you saying I should have punched her. Well, in Arizona, punch her, punch her. <laughs> hey, Round um, can up, we stop? Load this? it up. We wouldn't happen to want to get on a flight to Arizona with me, right? Yeah, now. <laughs> bring it to Arizona. Right. Look up the law book. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. punch right here, right here. You, oh, she doing Could we exactly do this that again. Yeah. Mm. See, I, oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. But 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 you have to know your rights too to protect yourself, right? Because you may need to fight, or you may need to exit or right. do something. Maybe have pepper spray on you. In some states, you can defend yourself. Because how far will they go? Somebody asked me a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it to you. Do you think obviously you can't discriminate and 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 crimes against people based off of the color of their skin or based off of the color based off of their religion? Uh, there's a classification for that. Do you think that the laws need to be updated to include? discrimination based off of your political beliefs. I think so. I think so too. Because that's a human, like we have a right to freedom of speech and freedom of expression. So if I'm expressing something that I believe to be true, which is my political identity, people should not be able to deny me that. Right. That's a constitutional right. Right. And to provoke you and to use right. violence and, violence and to against intimidation. Violence against threaten you. Because like, okay, what's the difference between a person's religious affiliation and political affiliation? Right. Because they're, they're fundamentally... People believe in politics. That is a government, um, you can say that's a government established thing that either you either are involved in or you are not involved in politics at all. Right. But a lot of people are involved in that. That's associated with your right to vote. You know, all of these things are, are collectively rights for us. And if at any point you begin to impede, you start falling in the realm of impeding on my right to vote. Because if you intimidate me, to the point where I'm afraid to express what I really feel, will I show up to vote? Right. Which is my right. Will I be able to express myself? Which is my right. That's why you can't 
hurt people on religious views because it's their right. And, you know, I think that we have to make some legislation around this because political the political climate previously is not what it is today. It's just not. It is bad today. People are getting divorced over this stuff. <laughs> Uh, people are fighting over this stuff. I need to get a couple here, by the way, Bob. If we can find a couple that divorced over, over politics sure for this podcast, politics. it would just be I know. amazing. I have my and, and by the way, I can provide therapy. Yeah. I think I would be... I'm a, therapy I'm a therapeutical person, right? Get them boxing gloves and let them have a helmet on because it right. may get ugly. But my friend, one of my good friends, he wasn't married, but him and his girl been together for like eight years. They got like three kids. And they, they hadn't gotten married, but they broke up because of this. She's wow. a flaming liberal and he's super conservative. And like she would be watching CNN all day right. and he would be like, you know, his mind is about to explode. And he like, you are just brainwashed. Yeah. And then it is, they, it's a literal you can't brainwashing. Tell her, she, he told her she was brainwashed and that, that was the end of their relationship. It's a literal, it's a literal brainwashing that's taking place right now. Okay. It is brainwashing. Like we conservatives in my, you know, we, are open to other people's ideas. Right. We just feel like our ideas are better. We're not going to stop you from thinking your ideas. We're yeah. not going to hurt you. We're not going to call you names that are not legitimately associated to your... Uh, Conservatives to fa- are not to showing facts. up to stop liberals from speaking no. on campuses. No. Conservatives are not showing up to make sure liberals can't get inside to hear Bernie Sanders speak. Right. It doesn't exist. There's no There's no conservative Antifa. There's, right. no, there's no conservative gang that shuts down speech because we believe in free speech and we think right. we actually need more of it as a solution. If your ideas are bad, I want to give you a microphone so that we can show people how bad your ideas exactly. are. I don't want to shut down exactly. speech. If your job is to shut down speech, it's because you know that your ideas can't survive debate. Right. right? It's because you know that those ideas, when Charlie or Brandon or Candace or, or or Will Witt goes to a college campus, they, they they believe that the ideas are so good they might catch fire. So what do they have yeah. to do? They have to shut down the speaking. Right. And you've been on campus plenty of times you talk to these people and they get they get to the point where they start feeling they know they're losing the argument. Yeah. And they go, Well, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. Exactly. You're trying to back me in the corner. I had a dude that was a doctor, a black dude. Me and we, we went to ASU the other day and we were talking about walls. Oh, the walls are not, you know, he's all professional. The walls are not legitimate. I don't think that you should do this. And I'm like, you are so smart, you're dumb. And then this is what I did to him. I said, if you had a million dollar mansion, would you put walls up around you? Oh, yes, I would. I said, why would you do that? Well, because I have to protect my property from people who will come in and, and harm me or harm my property. This is great and voice. I said, and I said, okay. Um, then why is our country, our country is like a million dollar property. We need to put some fencing around so we can keep out people who are bringing in drugs and crime and all of the above. How is that any different? Well, I have to go to class right now. <laughs> like, go to class, man. You just lost. Thank you. Thank you for that footage. You know, it's because right, if yeah, you yeah. don't go to class, you're not learning Well, anything. he's in medical school, yeah, so well, that's learn like, that. That's like but, celebrities, right? They understand personal sovereignty, just not national sovereignty. They understand all... They're all about personal sovereignty, though. And, and they're they really not, everything though. private. They want... Oh, yes, they are. They, they understand personal sovereignty. That's why they have yeah. the fences around their homes, and they have the armed guards that are protecting them. I mean, they're, they're so hypocritical... And yet they believe that that they're fighting for people's rights, rights that they would not want to give to people if, right. if the conversation was turned about them, their personal space. Right. Yeah. And then none of them live that way. Oh, we let everybody let somebody into your house. Yeah. Why not? Why not? These people have mansions with multiple rooms. And right. you know, it's only them and their husband in there. They got grown kids. They, they're not living in rooms. You're like, let a home, let, let some homeless, let some illegals come in your house and live and let them work in your yard. I mean, that's it, it'll be too much like slavery. But if you let them come in your house and you work in your yard and you pay them to live, and they get to live there, they want you to do that. It's, you, could, you can do that. 
Right. I mean, it's against the law, but also entering our country is against the law. Right. Harboring <laughs> illegals is against the law. So right. don't don't do that. But they if they really feel that passionately about it, well, sanctuary cities is against the law. Right. Federal law. Right. I don't know how I don't know how we even give them federal finance. I can't, I can't understand but anyway. it. So if they really believed in that, why don't they do that? Why don't they use their finances? Why don't they pay more taxes? Right. Like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I guess Netflix gave her a deal. Somebody said between eight to ten million. Remember, she said the ten million dollar you can tax at eighty <laughs> percent. Give eighty percent of your ten million right. that you made from Netflix. Right. I bet she won't do it. Of course, she's not. Gonna I do wouldn't that. do it. Of course, she's you know not going to do that. Because because it, it's, it's when it's somebody else's money, it's easy to say, mm-hmm. oh, we'll take their money. No, give your money. No, nothing is stopping you from from. Taking your t- and, and adding to the treasury. Like, you know what I love? I love those billionaires who commercials. I make a billion dollars, and somebody should take more money from me. Write a check. You don't need, you don't right, need the right. government to come do it. Literally, write a check right, and right. give it to somebody else. Give it to the government if that's what you want. Just write it to the United States Treasury and write a check. You don't need the government to legislate no, that. Just do no, it. No. They never do they because it's all virtue signaling. And at the end of the day, at its core, they just want to create chaos while Trump is in office so they can say, I told you so. Right. They're narcissists True. at their core. That's what I truly believe. True. They don't believe any of the stuff they're saying because they refuse mm. to show up for debates and debate their ideas. Mm. They scream into the Twitter echo chamber when you say, let's sit down and have a chat. They don't want to do it. None of it makes any sense. Like this whole uh, abolish. Abolish ICE. Abolish ICE. Okay. Uh, question. Why was nobody asking to abolish ICE when Obama was in office? Was ICE not a thing? Yeah. He yeah, deported really more people. Yeah. He deported more illegals. Why weren't we abolishing ICE then? If this is just all about open borders, why wasn't this a thing when Obama was sure. in office? Oh, I know because this has nothing to do with you wanting diversity or there to be open borders. It's you trying to establish chaos absolute chaos so that you can say, look what's happened since Trump got in office, which is what you guys do every two days, not even two days, every two hours, not even two hours, every two minutes, not even two minutes, every two seconds, (laughs) a new strategy. Every millisecond. (laughs) If they ain't doing it, they thinking about it. Right, right. But it's it's, it's not working for them, right? Yeah. I'm telling you. Is it working? I'm telling you. Like, this is, I don't know if you see the shift, right? Black folks. I'm saying for black folks, right? Growing up, I'm glad we're wiping the table. Too. Bo- I had He's to getting wipe- ready to say something. I gotta wipe the table off because <laughs> it's about ready to get to hot. Say something. So, <laughs> black folks have never historically supported abortions, family-wise. Black people have never supported anti-Christian behaviors. Right? We were religious folks. We're we in the church every religious. Sunday, club on Saturday, church on Sunday. <laughs> it don't matter. You're in there sinning in the church. We right. in there though. Right. <laughs> and but. So here's here's where the line is getting drawn. These people on the left are coming out for late term abortion. They're coming all full throttle. You see the women sitting on their hands during the uh, State of the Union address after they pat themselves on the back. Oh, we got jobs, new jobs created. Well, these jobs aren't created. These aren't new jobs. These government jobs already exist. So you're not even a part of the statistic that Trump was talking about. But pat yourself on the back anyway. But when they talk about late term abortion. Talk about immigration, illegal immigration. I saw the guy, I don't even want to mention his name, but I'll do it anyway. Tariq Nasheed. Mm-hmm. He got this movement online and all these black people are jumping on board about the problem with illegal immigration. He's he's going a step further and say he don't like, he he told me he agreed with you and I on immigration. But he want, he want to go a step further and say no immigration because immigration has not helped black people in America. Now, all of these black social justice warriors. He's more right than Trump on right, that. <laughs> Just none. Zero. He, but, but all these black people are jumping in this. Well, no, but I brought this up. So what I said is that the argument can be made despite, I mean, we obviously understand statistically that illegal immigration is detriment to the black community. And it, right. it, it 
particularly impacts black men from the ages of 18 to 21 who have to compete for those jobs when they're willing to do it um, beneath minimum wage. So I always say, do you believe that black men between 18 and 21 should work beneath the minimum wage? No. Then stop supporting open borders. But the other argument is that over 50% of the the immigrants that we get come in from over the border. That's not diversity. That's making America Mexico, right? Only 2 to 4% come from Africa. So there, we actually are not allowing black immigration to happen at all. Um, so, I mean, there's I, I don't agree you should stop immigration, but I think that it should be f- more fair, more of a merit-based system. Sure. I'd like to see some people come in from Nigeria, maybe from the continent of Africa that are working hard and, and want a chance at the American dream, not because you have a, a, a geographical predisposition to flood our borders. In. And that's what the problem is, is that it actually is not fair. And there should be a merit-based system for immigration, which the president supports, sure. which would solve, actually. He doesn't need to be no immigration. There needs to be a merit-based system, which would allow you to say, we're evening it out. Maybe somebody from Brussels, maybe somebody from Nigeria, maybe somebody from Australia. I don't know what they're doing over there. Yeah, we're the greatest country on earth. Right. And uh, we need to start acting like it. Right. Um, We need to put a wall up. (laughs) uh, And then we need to say, you can't come here. It's like a private school. Are you accepted or no? Right. You're not accepted here. I'm sorry. But America needs to become a private school. Like we are a private I like school. This. Private school. Yes. Privatize America. Yes. Why yes. isn't Trump running with this? We, I mean, the next president. Trump, would, Trump, you know listen what? to us. Let's you and I run in 2024. Yes, our slogan would just be privatize America. Privatize America. America is now a private school. We're not even a country. Right? Get over yourself. We're the greatest private school ever. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to switch gears here and talk about you as a father. Okay. Because you are a father. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I want to understand a little bit that comes with it. First and foremost, you are your child is of mixed race. Yeah, biracial, white. His mama blonde hair, blue eyes. Okay, so I have a question. Is he half oppressed or half privileged? Uh does, I he, don't does believe, he pick you know, does he pick one my, day he's like I'm oppressed and the other day see, he's like I'm privileged. Now now to the people that that, <laughs> that lack a brain stem, they would say that he's half oppressed because it's good for media. He's, he's half and then oppressed it, today. And then when it's time to do restitution or reparations, he's going to have to pay himself reparations through his right, right, right So I'm wondering, is that how it works when you're a mixed race child? <laughs> yeah, you have his, to- his mama is going to have to pay his daddy reparations so we can pay for him. <laughs> To the, so, I, hey, I'll take it. All right. <laughs> I ain't going to say that on camera, but right. she give me some of my money back. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, but, you know, I have a biracial son, and um, I raised him to realize that he is just as much white as he is black. He's super cute. He is. He like, 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 he it's like actually kind of a problem. Like, yeah, I, I, I actually don't even he, want a kid that He cute. used to have blue he eyes. He away with everything. He used to have blue eyes when he was a little baby and he grew out of them. Thank God. Because if he had blue eyes he's, he's and he looked cute. like me, he'd kill him. <laughs> no, but anyway, my son, is a, my son is a beautiful child. He is. I raise him to, to, to understand that he's not a victim. You only work, half a victim. You work hard. Yeah, see, they'll tell you, you know, victim. You work hard. You're an individual. You carry the family name. That's what I tell my son. When he get in trouble at school, I say, you are, you are representing your father and your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Don't go in that school acting a fool. It's not just you. You making us look bad. You have the name Tatum. I said, what's your last name? Tatum. I said, <laughs> you carry my name. You better represent me properly. Right. And I said, because daddy got to represent you and represent the family properly at my job. If I get in trouble at job, I get fired. You don't eat. That's what I tell my son. Even when he's young, he's going all the way up. He'll understand. But I, 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 he goes to school in Seattle. And it's the school he went to before this one was super liberal. They didn't have a flag in the classroom. 
That's crazy. So I, I I actually made a video about it. I was on Fox News talking about it. And I actually bought the teacher a flag and sent it to him. Because I said, she's making these excuses. I said, well, I'm going to send you a flag and you put it up in the classroom. Because there's no way my son is going to be doing a Pledge of Allegiance to a piece of paper, a purple piece of paper with some kids chicken scratching the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> on there. It's like, no, you need a flag. So I sent her a flag or whatever. But this new school is more, it's, it's still in Seattle. It's in like West Seattle. But it's, it's, it's a lot more. They got flags in every classroom. They they're they're like they're like a conservative school, to be honest. But anyway, don't out them because we'll get mobs outside. Don't oh, I ain't gonna out them because then I'm gonna have to go down there. But I want to talk about this up. because so. I think that one of the things about you that I've always loved in watching your videos is you have this. You don't get as much hate as I do. It's just not fair, eh? But you you <laughs> there you have this dad thing that I think comes through that you're that you're fathering America you're fathering black America where black America needs some dads father they absence do. is the number one problem facing black America yeah. really and and these boys aren't growing up with the things that you say these tokens of appreciation for where they come from and understanding that they do represent their fathers and their grandfathers right um how do you think so your your son you, you he split split home are you? Are you? Are you? Yeah, with? we're we're separated. She right. lives in Seattle. She she moved and lives in Seattle, and I live in Phoenix. We share time. He comes in the summer right. and holidays. And stuff. How are you able to do that? Because I feel like there are so many black men that are out there that are going through the same situation, and maybe it's not maybe it's not a good situation. No, how it's how sucks. how do black men step up and and parent in that regard? Well, you 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 first of all you gotta hang on say that word. You have to you have to be a, you have to man up. And you have taken your responsibilities at all costs, right? Um, this situation is tough. You know, different state. You know, I can't see my son every time I want to. And sometimes, you know, when you don't get along with the other parent, there's games that are played. Right. And people know what I'm talking about. And it becomes difficult. But you have to – my faith in God helps me with this because I believe that God is going to make things better if I just continue to pursue being the best father I can. My son Skyped me. I was actually talking to him earlier. So we Skype, we communicate. Um, I, you know, fly him out, take him on all the vacations he's gone. I take him to Disneyland. We're going to go to Disney World. I take him to Sea World, uh, Legoland we went to. I take him everywhere. And I show him that I love him. And so he, it re it's retained in his consciousness that his dad is there and that I love him. Right. And, and and people have to realize that even if you're not there every day, you have to be available and you have to show your child that you're willing to support them. Because my son is young enough that it's kind of like, oh, dad lives here. He's oh, not, is he? He's eight. Eight. So he's not to the point where it's really affecting him really bad, you know, tremendously. Right. So. So he's happy with this. He have fun with his mom and his grandparents. And he come to dad and have fun. So he live in the best of both worlds. Right. And when it's never the sun is never showing in Seattle, he come to Phoenix and it's like we go swimming every day. Right. So but I think it's invaluable for men to step up and be in their child's life, no matter what it is. I don't care if it's for 30 seconds. Right. You you get 30 seconds a week, you better do all 30 seconds. It's the most important thing. And I and I'm never is. time every time people ask me, like, where'd your conservative beliefs come from? I always give 100% credit to my grandfather and uh, how blessed I am that he moved me at a young age into his home and to see a real man like be run a household and you know granddad 
there were rules, you know, no elbows on the table. And the fact that I'm doing this, you know, is like kind of yeah, not yeah. okay. Granddad, if you're watching, I didn't mean to. Um, but, you know, there were all of these rules. and and But I had this healthy fear of my grandfather. Yeah. I was scared of him in the right ways. Mm-hmm. In the same way that when I say the black community is a God-fearing community, in the same way that you fear, that, that healthy, loving fear that you have, the removal of fathers from the household takes that away. It's a fundamental structure. And what happens when you don't have that 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 father in the home is that you will still go pursue that per- that paternity elsewhere. You'll go pursue that paternal example elsewhere. And if it's not, if you're not getting a home, that means you're turning to culture. Mm-hmm. You're turning to hip hop. Yeah. And is that is that the right father that you want for your children? Right. You're turning to the streets, right? right? Your your young men will go pursue that outside of the household if there's not a male that they have a healthy fear of growing up. Yeah, when you grow, if you grow up in a hood and you don't have a daddy, right? And you are longing for that that male confirmation that I'm down, I'm cool, you love me. See, the thing that men kind of get afraid of is that naturally you seek love from another man. You know, maybe not in a sexual way, you know what I'm saying? But you you seek that in a in a in a fatherly way. Right. So when the when the dude in the hood is selling drugs, or it's your big older brother selling drugs and they're doing crime, but they love you. They're the only one that love you. They the one bringing clothes home. They the one feeding the family. They got your back. They'll fight for you. They stand up for you. Now, who are you going to trust? That person or another dude that's not involved in your life that's saying, hey, you need to get out of the hood. You shouldn't be involved in that lifestyle. So that's why positive role models should be replacing these people. Because if you don't have a role model and then you then you try to be a role model to the person when you never had one, then you don't know how to be a role model. Right. My dad, I'm going to say my dad was the greatest impact in my life. You know, my mom let me be me, right? I could say whatever. I used to cuss and everything when I was young. Four years old, cussing people out. <laughs> mama didn't care. Tell them, baby. Do it. Say what you feel. <laughs> That's why I'm, thank you, mama. Thank you, mama. It's your fault. Nah. But my mom let me be who I, who I wanted to be, even right. if it got me in trouble. My dad was like, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out of this world. Right, right. Yeah, I will kill you. You know, yeah. fold them clothes. When I get home, if you don't have them clothes folded. I'm I, going I, to take you out of this world. My dad came home one time. My friend Nick, then when we were playing video games, he came. He said, I didn't fold the clothes. I forgot I was playing the game. He had that belt. He said, Nick, y'all got to go home. He had the belt in his hand. I'm like, dang, man, everybody going to know I'm going to get a whooping. <laughs> my dad told me up. But I respect my father. Right. To this day, I have never argued with my dad. Ever. Wow. I have never argued with my dad. Right. If my dad say something and I disagree, we just agree to disagree. Right. And I'm not arguing with my father. <laughs> and I you have, have a, a, you have I respect. Have a respect. Come my dad is a man. That's my he, grandpa. My dad is a man's man. That's my grandpa. He's a man's man. My know? dad, my dad's dad left him and left them when he when they were like when my dad was like twelve. He had to raise his brothers. And my grandmother, my dad told me this story and it just it just made me want to cry. He overheard my grandmother say that, because they used to call my dad Dune. That was his nickname, Dune. I don't even know why. But she said, Dune ain't even helping me. I'm just doing it by myself. My dad was hurt. He worked. He gave up. My dad didn't play sports or nothing because he was working. My dad was busting tables. And then what he did, at the age of 18, he joined the fire department. And my dad said that there was some racial tension on the fire department. But he used to always have the philosophies that you're going to work for me one day. So- like, I, y'all going to work for me. So I don't care what you say to me. I'm going to make it to the top. And you're going to end up working for me. So you need to watch how you treat me. My dad, 18 years old, 31 years on the fire department consistently. 
And my mama used to have fun. My mama was the fun one. You know what I'm saying? She going on trips. She date guys that got a lot of money. My dad was grinding 31 years. He's now, he retired from Fort Worth as the, the battalion chief. That wasn't enough for my dad. Now he's the chief of the Waco Fire Department. My dad is a man, six-figure retirement, and he's still working. Right. So he, he, he wasn't just an example in word. He was an example in deed. You know, and and in the black community, we wonder why things are going astray because we don't have men like that. That's it. And this is why the the radicalization of feminism is something that I've I've tried to be the loudest voice against. And I don't care. Stop trying to make masculinity a dirty word because masculinity is what saved me in life. My grandfather being a man's man's man, yeah. right, and 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 having his rules, and me being terrified, and of his lectures, man, he would lecture us, he would do, and he'd always bring God into it. We'd be sitting on dinner, he'd be like, "Dear God, please help Candace understand." Please help Candace. And then I would be, I would be, I'd start crying and be like, "He's telling God, why is he telling God? This is we could have dealt with this privately. Like now, God's in it. Granddad's mad. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. and and to have that." That is what masculinity is, mm-hmm. right? Men running the households is masculinity. And to see society try to pervert it, to make it seem like masculinity is, is now synonymous with rape. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, no, these are two entirely different yeah. concepts, right? Real yeah. men don't rape right. women, okay? And, and here, here's another concept about being a man is being able to be selfless as a man and being able to be led. Like, for instance, you have God in your life. And to watch my father... And real men be subject to leadership from somebody else, to learn how to take leadership from somebody else. Like that is more impactful than the man's man, you know, just but right. learning. See, my dad, seeing my my dad being strong and saying, OK, I'm humble enough to serve. Right. I know my dad don't have to serve. He the man. Mm-hmm. He the top of the food chain. But my dad can can say I'm willing to serve another person mm-hmm. with my time. And and I think that. That's where God comes into the black community and also fatherhood. It's like we need to have something in which we come under the umbrella of and say we need to keep focusing on God. Right. God sets the family structure. He does. Don't be going out sleeping around with Ray Ray Nim. And then you got five kids with no daddy. That's exactly right. And, and you you have put your kids in that situation. You know what I'm saying? I know you both both are to blame. You know, Ray Ray needs to step his game up. But as some of the, the, the women in our community is that, listen. Think about your children for a minute. Homeboy ain't never been right. Mm-hmm. He don't come home now. He ain't going to come home when you got kids Homeboy ain't never been right, bub. Home, homeboy ain't never been right. That boy is still. Quotes from Tatum. <laughs> Tatum quotes. Yeah. We need t-shirts, yeah, yeah. right? Like, right. homeboy ain't never been right. Ain't never you been right. You can buy that online <laughs> yeah. at CandaceOwenShow.com. Forward slash feminism sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, so we got we to gotta do better. And, and you made the point earlier is that we got to stop trying to be closet conversations. Right. Because in the, in the back of the, our mind, we know we're killing each other every day in the mm-hmm. hood. We know that law enforcement picking up these brothers off the street, mm-hmm. laying there dead every day. And yet we, we in our community, the way we beat each other up, like you, I got into middle school and I'm bullied by black people because mm-hmm. I get A's, because yeah. I speak proper English. True. You sound white. Yeah. Do you mean I speak proper English? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I speak I speak proper English. Right. You you act in white. You mean I'm I'm getting A's? Think about the self the lack of confidence our community has that that's a thing. If you speak proper English, mm-hmm. you sound white. If you get good grades, you act in white. 
I mean, think they've done such a number on us, and then they attack, and 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 they want people to feel bad about themselves for making good decisions, for yeah. reading books, for getting good grades, for going to college. Yeah. They associate yeah. that with whiteness. Yeah. Who's the racist? Right. You're ra- you're racist about yourselves. Hold up a mirror. You want to know yeah. who the racists are? It's you. I don't know if you you're in the same boat, but the most racist things ever said about me have come from black people. Oh yeah, they they go hard. I'm like, you don't need white people anymore. Yeah. You've learned terms. Added to them words they weren't even saying back in the slave days. You're mm-hmm. now saying and throwing at me because I put up a video talking about real issues in our community. Right. If white people are going to stop saying it, we're going to start saying it again. Right. White people don't call me the N-word. No. Right? Black, people, Black call people call me the N-word. N-word. Yeah. White people don't call me coon. Black people call Black me people coon. Now, they pick that yeah, word and they, they call me coon. They, they like trained black liberals right. to to use these words against black conservatives. The racism is coming from our own community. Right. And look, look at what's perpetuated through, through entertainment. Remember, who was more popular, Carlton or the Fresh Prince? That's right, Fresh Prince. Well, well, look, listen, this he was oh, a bad, liked- he was the bad guy, and he was he was getting in trouble at school. Now he had some principle to it, but Carlton came from a good family. Right. Carlton made good grades. Carlton spoke proper English. And what do we do in our society? Look at Urkel. I know. Urkel, <laughs> I'm saying. Now, Urkel looked crazy, but Urkel what was smart. What about Stefan? When he got into the machine, yes. Stefan was a good guy. He was smooth. Yeah, but Urkel was smart. Right, and he played an instrument that was difficult right. to play. Ur- what, what is that? Is that a, what is this? A, is this a ukulele? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? We need to get him on the show. Is it is it a ukulele? What was the thing? I don't know what he did. Come, what a, come on, what did Steve Urkel play? The accordion. accordion. I don't even know what a ukulele is. Yeah, really. you didn't mean either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> an accordion. Yeah. So an accord. I mean, but th- think about it. He the one with a PhD, probably. Well, we'll get a PhD. He's the one <laughs> with a multi-million dollar house. Right. S- retiring with all his money and investing in properties and living the American dream. Everybody else is going to be quick money, rich, and then they broke and they looking for handouts. We are pushing our community to the ground, and the people who are in power won't say nothing. And I'll say this. I I asked myself this question, what happened to black TV? Because when I was was growing up, we had the Hustables. We had the Jeffersons. I used to watch Nick at Night. We had the Jeffersons. We had the Cosby Show. We had good role models. The families were together. We had family matters. I mean, black TV was about the family. It was about God. It was about faith. It was about the community. And it was about, there was nothing different between watching a black family on TV and watching a white family on TV. Yeah. Where the hell did it all go? You want to know what we have on TV now? Love and Hip Hop is right. probably the, the most watched black show. Or Baby Empire. mamas, strippers, uh, yeah. baby daddies, yeah. women crying because the, you know their man is cheating on them. Yeah. Empire. Right. Yeah. About greed and lust and drugs. And, and this is what, this has become... Idolized. This is what they don't even realize that they're programming us even through entertainment. The entertainment industry is resetting our goals. When I was growing up, I was like, oh, that'd be, I want to be, I want to be like doc, I want to be Dr. and Mrs. Hustable and have a nice family. And, and that was the way that my grandparents lived. And now we're seeing that the deterioration is exactly following what we're seeing on TV. True. I mean, look at the music. So, how do we get it back? I think we have to, it's, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult, complex thing, right? Because who's going to start it? We have started conversations, right? We have big influences. Millions of people watch our stuff. So we can start the conversations. We can start going to communities and giving people an alternative thought. Because I think this divert, this, the, the, the reality of 
us being successful and being conservative and being black with a history, I think opens people's minds and say, well, I kind of believe that way too. And it's okay for me to do it because Candace is doing it. And Candace is successful. She's not some taking orders from people. She can have her own mind and she can also build. So I can be a conservative. I can, I mean, young people aspire to be like us. Right. You know, and I think that that's a starting point. But we also, doing the outreach and Blexit and stuff like that, I think those things also help too because it brings people in. It gives them a community. It gives them community. You're not alone. You're not you're alone. You're like this. You're not a coon. You're not a traitor. Right. You are somebody that wants a piece of the American dream and you should earn it and you deserve it. And there's there's no shame in being a conservative. So. Right. And I, and I think that's going to be the starting point in getting people who are rappers who want to rap more about conscious material right. and supporting them. Like the guy Clay Dub. That I, I I literally raised money for him to fly a flight to go and further his uh rap career. Right. I gave him opportunity at Young Black Leadership Summit. He did a rap there. The, the kid is talented. He is leaning more towards rapping about conscious, politically conscious stuff and things that are going to help our communities, that are hurt our community. Promoting people like that is something that we can do. Um, politicians, you know, some of us are going to have to run for office at some you? point. You? People keep saying me, but I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm fit. What so, do you mean? Somebody come at me and <laughs> Co- Co- Cory Booker want to be Spartacus one day. I'm going to say, bro, I- I'm still from the hood, bro. You want to throw the hands at Congress? We can do it. No, nah, I-, I will never. I don't condone violence. Okay. But I think that some of us. <laughs> Cory Booker want to be Spartacus Cory one Cory Booker going to get outed. What, what, what you want to do? Bro? Nah. You gonna go call T Bone and that fake dude? He came with T Bone. It ain't nobody oh named T Bone. But I, I would, I would never fight anybody in Congress. But what I'm saying is, that some of us <laughs> will have to. Uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna I have to jump fight in there. anybody in Congress. Yeah. Bob, in Congress. I didn't say out in the parking lot, but you know, <laughs> in a congressional amazing. hearing, I probably would. All but right. yeah, so. Uh, I think that some of us are going to have to run for political position and show people that, look, we can have policies and, and conservative values are cool. We're not a bunch of racist because black people think that it's a bunch of racist white people. Right. And then they think we're the Carltons, right. you know, the, <laughs> the, the the uncoordinated, out of touch with reality right. black folks that's supporting this. And it's like, no, no Republicans, black. Republicans have always I've been, been black, black my whole life, by the way. Yeah, Every day. I never too. took a break. I forget sometimes, yeah, but right. I'm still black. <laughs> never took a break. Been doing it my whole life. Nobody has to tell me how to do it. Right. Um, all right. So here is how we wrap. Okay. We do a really fun game. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Brandon Tatum. Okay. Bob, do we have timer? I'm ready. Brandon Tatum. You get to look into that camera. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. This is, this is. Right? I hope I do this right. You get two minutes on the clock and you get to launch a vibration. If every single person in this world could hear something from your mouth to God's ears and it inspires something, what would be your message to the world? Ready? Set, go. I personally believe that you can be whatever you want to be if you put God first, you act with integrity, you act with selflessness, you can do it, you can accomplish it. Not one person can prevent you. Not one political party, not one career field, not not the ups and downs. If you trust in God, you can overcome anything. In life, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have pitfalls. You're going to feel like you want to give up and quit, but you got to keep pursuing the mission at hand. I care about every single person that's watching this, and I want you to be just as successful as me, even more successful than I am. And the way that you continue success is through believing in yourself 
and surrounding yourself with positive people. If I could tell anybody in the world that I, I want to employ that. And I think that if you utilize that in your own personal life, uh, you'll be successful in the world, be a better place. Preach. Wow. We should start giving them a minute. Yes. Right. Brandon Tatum. Thank you guys for watching the latest episode of the Candace Owens Show. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. As many of you guys already know, PragerU is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means we need your help to keep all of our content free to the public. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation today. I would really appreciate your support.